0: You're listening to Talking Sense. We chat with experts about those need-to-know topics. To help millennials get ahead. We ask the dumb questions. It's a platform to learn a little about a lot. All right, so today we're talking about shares and we're lucky to be joined by Chris Titley again and he was the, our guest for episode two where we first... The most popular, share one, for market. sure, the most one. <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah. definitely. I think that's the one we've had the best feedback on. So that's great. Thank you, Chris. And probably because Chris is very familiar with the podcasting world, he runs his own podcast, Morgan Startup Series. And your how is the podcast going?
1: Going well. Yeah. yeah, there'll be another few episodes coming very shortly. Actually, oh, yeah. recording two this afternoon.
0: Wow, busy day yeah. in the office here. We're all yeah. doing billable work. It's really good to see. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> anyway, so we are chatting about the share market round to today. So we want to delve a little bit more into uh, some of the ins and outs of the share market and hopefully provide a bit more guidance for people that want to get involved in putting some money in shares. Yeah, definitely. So we might start with researching a company. We'll just quickly touch on if you're thinking about investing in maybe a particular industry, how you go about researching and um, even comparing companies.
1: Yeah, so information probably in the last decade or so has become more freely available. So probably 15 years ago, you'd just go to your stockbroker to get the gold price, or you'd go to to the oil price, or any particular company information, company prices. Now with the, with the smartphones and the age of information, there's lots of different sources where you can look at information. So you'd probably start with looking at the Australian Stock Exchange website, which outlines a number of. Um, all the companies and you can, you can look at their company announcements and sort of get a grasp through their own presentations etc but then you've got other apps like Bloomberg um, you've got Yahoo Finance etc where you can again get all the the background on the company the directors and who who's involved in the business um, and then you've got mainstream press as well so um, I mean the feed review is probably the most Um, known um, and and respected sort of um, publication in regards to um, financial focus Um, Sydney Morning Herald as well and the Australian so all the mainstream press but then you've got other other blogs that you can type in um, which you know a number of people spend their life day trading shares So they'll talk about companies uh, so, yeah, I would just start with a simple Google search on the company name mm-hmm. um, and then t- type in research or information and, and really the best source is probably from the company itself um, in most instances um, in regards to they release a half yearly presentation or a four-year presentation or, yeah, and the annual report is also a very good um, sort of broad-based generic um, yeah, starting point, I
0: suppose. One I used to look at when I was looking at what shares I'd buy, within ComSec they have some companies that provide recommendations. Like I think Goldman Sachs provides like their stock recommendations yes. and they yep. always do analysis of companies, which I found was an easy starting point. I mean they don't always get it right when they say buy, sell and everything, but it is sometimes when you have no idea what company even to Google could lead you a little bit in the right direction of quotes.
1: Sure, yeah, and Broking Houses have their own research team so we have our own researching team and we'll provide analysis not on every company, um, predominantly um, ones that are in the ASX 200 or 300, etc. Um, and so there'll probably be half a dozen investment banks that will provide research to their clients, generally. But some, um, you know, with again, with the availability of information, you could probably get headlines saying that Morgans has upgraded their price target to such and such, and versus Goldman Sachs versus UBS. And and again, it's it's all good information, but it's it's not um. Yeah, full, it's pretty. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to you whether to decide to buy them or not yes, through yeah. through your financial advisor. So, um, there's also another website called Livewire Markets, and now Livewire Markets um, gets a lot of content by brokers, advisors, fund managers, etc. And they put a newsletter out every day, and that's a really good starting point as well because okay. they'll pick the, the the most watched or most viewed article through the day and put it, you know, two or three of them through their newsletter. I think their newsletter lists now. More than fifty thousand people a day receive a live wire email. So that's another good starting point.
0: Yeah, you could spend your life reading about different yeah. companies. <laughs> it's you? information overload that so. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and you, you, could, you could go into as much or as little um, information uh, as as you want on each company. And at the end of the day, the share market's still moving and trading live. So yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's an educated educated guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. So say you have worked out what company you want to buy, and just for convenience' let's say you've researched it and you. You want to buy some shares in West Farmers. They're a solid company that everyone knows. So, let's say, okay, I'm looking today at the West Farmers share price, which is live, $34.02. So, I've decided I want to buy West Farmers shares. What price should I bid to buy the shares out and how does that work in terms of if I want to buy them, yeah. how quickly can I buy them and what does that depend on? It's
1: um, Some might say it's an art and some might also say it's a bit of luck, yeah. to be honest as well. I mean, uh, at $34, you've made your decision in your head you want to buy them. Again, there's it's about how long you want to hold them for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the price that they're at today versus the price they're at a few months ago, the price they are on 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 metrics such as um, financial ratios um, so you can you can set alerts to when particular stocks um, you know, might trade at a, a price earnings ratio I don't want to go into too much detail mm-hmm. about acronyms but there's a lot of financial metrics then you could maybe you meet the management one day and you're like very inspired by them and you think well I think they'll be a lot higher in the future um, so pri- buying is is you know in in retrospect, is actually quite easy mm-hmm. because you just pull the trigger and you go right. We're, we're going to buy these shares. Selling is a little bit tricky. We can get onto that later on. But um, whether you buy West Farmers at thirty-four oh two now, or whether it's thirty-three ninety-eight or thirty-four twenty-five, in my view, it doesn't really matter. If you've made your mind up that you want to buy the shares mm-hmm. and you want to hold the shares and you want to make money from the shares and you want to um, see that that plan plays out over the, the course, whether it's a, a, a trend that you think might be a macro trend or it might be a company trend, yeah. and let that plan play out, then I think that's a better chance than sort of trying to pick $33.50 just for the sake of trying to pick a little bit cheap, which yeah. you might get it. And, and don't get me wrong, you might get it tomorrow at 33.50, yeah. but it's a bit of luck. It might go to 35 and you missed it. And yes. you go, oh, I should have done that because I had the feeling that I wanted to buy them. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of art, a bit of luck.
0: Yeah. So, as, as long as you are happy with the price that you are bidding to buy it at, then that's probably all that matters. And you can say say it's $34. You could put in right, $33.80 and it might, between over the next seven days, drop down to that. And then at the point it drops down your share... We'll, we'll, you'll be able to buy, and sell them. yeah. And that's sort of how the marketplace works. I've yeah.
1: got a mixture of clients. Probably more do the market price, but certainly there's a number of clients that do limits, and it might be a chart limit, and there might be some sort of trigger limit that they say oh, I want to buy West Farmers at thirty-three dollars. Yeah. And we'll take the order and put it on at thirty-three dollars. They've got about I think it's ninety days or so before if it doesn't hit, then it gets wiped Sorry. off the system, yeah. you know, right. purged as they say. So, um, but no, there's very um, very specific clients that have. uh, Limits on on share prices, and eventually, you know, they might get them. But you know, I've seen some cases where they've missed out by one cent, and the stock's gone up three or four dollars or thirty percent, and they could have just paid one cent more to get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, when I've just myself being on Comsec. If the, if the difference is such a small amount, it really makes no difference. Yeah, when I'm maybe actually ten dollars. Yeah. and that's or a really good five, way to look
1: at yeah. it as well because sometimes you might um, think, oh yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, there's a percentage and there's also a dollar value. So you might say, well, if you're buying a thousand shares um, in West Farmers, it might be a bit more material than you're buying a hundred shares mm. in terms of a dollar value of difference. Um, but again, it all comes back to percentages, but. Yeah, I would say 75 to 80% of the clients that I deal with will, will do a market order. And 20% will probably choose a limit for a specific reason. Yeah. And, and whether that's cherry-picking and trying to get a bit of luck and trying cheaper, to a little yeah. bit cheeky or whether it's a technical limit on a, on a chart or something,
0: yes, there's okay. various
1: reasons. So mm.
0: I guess it's always uh, how much time you have. So if you're uh, at uni or maybe you're not working full-time or your job is quite relaxed and you have the time to spend looking at all these different things, you might – want to spend more time but I know in my job now there's just no way that I would have the time during trading hours to check all these things too often so I guess busier people probably end up that's why they more go to stockbrokers because you, that's your entire hmm, job yep. is to look at stuff like this so it's always to weigh up like all. Oh, How much time do you have to spend? What's your goals in why you're buying sharp shares? And if you're trying to get the cheapest price, then be willing to spend a bit of time to watch what's happening during the day of that price. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and again, you mentioned the word goal, and that's exactly what we try and get from our clients. Like, What are your goals? I mean, how long... As I said, buying, anyone can that has money in their bank account can buy shares and buy, pick West Farmers right now, let's buy West, West Farmers hypothetically. And, and then in two years' time, I can't really tell you right now whether it's going to go up or down from this price. There's a bit of luck involved as well. I mean, the world changes so quickly and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that um, it's it's pretty easy to buy. But then you say to me, "Oh, I need to buy a house in six months' time." Then you've only given yourself six months for that thing to play out, mm. and it might not have played out in six months, and therefore it, you might actually lose some money if, for instance, the market goes down and and there's something silly that happens on a macro level,
0: yeah, as the market always does, goes up and down. Yeah, doesn't that's it? right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so while we're on the topic of West Farms is a great one because they pay dividends and we wanted to talk about dividends as well because that ties into your goals and why you buy shares and why you may not. So, let's just quickly recap what is a dividend.
1: Sure. So, if you look at a return on a share there's probably what people call a total shareholder return which is incorporating the, the dividends which you will mention, which i'll just talk about um, in a second and then also the, the the rise and the fall of the share price or yeah. what people call a capital gain or a capital loss um so if you add the dividend um percentage plus the capital return then that equals a total shareholder return or or a loss etc it's a bit tricky but people look at returns different ways and the dividend is one of them so the dividends are the after-tax profits that the company has chosen to send back to shareholders to say thank you for owning shares in our company we've made x amount of dollars we've paid tax on those dollars and there's excess money in our bank account that we feel to reward our shareholders will give you some income. Through the dividend. So, buying West Farmer's shares uh, in the past and you know, hopefully in the future will continue to provide an income for you, just like you would if you owned an investment property, mm. for instance, and you had a tenant and they were paying you rent and you draw an income from that. It's a very similar type of concept, but from a company point of view, it's the profits after tax that they pay back to shareholders. In most instances, there's some instances where it's not generally profits after tax and infrastructure style assets where there's a bit of debt etc but generally um, it's once the company has paid all their staff and generated all the revenue and paid tax there's a there's a there's a pot and uh, yeah, it's up to the board and how much um, of that pot they pay out to shareholders so some of the high-growth technology companies and and biotechnology companies won't pay dividends because they want to continue to grow and continue to dominate their field of expertise um, whereas some of the more <coughs> mature businesses I suppose um, like Telstra and West Farmers etc have had very good balance sheets and very good um, trajectory of growth and can afford to pay dividends out.
0: Okay, and fully frank dividends versus unfranked dividends.
1: Yes, so the franking is, is a, um, a term which is pretty unique to Australia which allows um, a tax credit to the individual shareholder um, because the company has paid Australian corporate tax. So in that example about Westfarmers, they've paid, all their, their operations are in Australia and they pay Australian tax and then therefore they, they offer a franking credit on top of their dividend. So they pay um, Australian tax and therefore you'll receive a dividend in the form of earned income and then you'll get a credit. So it's not actually cash in your hand but it comes to help you at the end of the tax year um, to offset some of your tax because West Farmers have already paid the tax so the idea is and and the the structure around it is because they've paid tax um, you know after after all their net profit after tax then for you to be taxed again is a bit unfair so they're saying it's a double tax Uh, companies paid it then you have to pay it so they'll give you a credit You don't actually receive the money, but it it helps at the end of the year with your tax. So that um, would be uh, franking. And unfranked dividend would be dividends that are paid um, with uh, geographies outside of Australia and or where it's not after tax. So infrastructure assets like toll roads and airports that actually have a lot of debt against that asset. So, for instance, Sydney Airport... um, there's a lot of debt against Sydney Airport because to buy Sydney Airport initially would have cost billions of dollars and to raise billions of dollars investors uh, and like you and I to buy into that initially would want some sort of return Mm -hmm. because if they had to wait um, every year to Mm -hmm. pay off five billion dollars after tax we might not get a dividend for 50 years for instance hypothetically but in the meantime there's a structure which allows them to pay an income Mm -hmm. um, because they can meet all their debt they meet everything and the cash flow is very strong it's just they haven't paid the net profit after tax basically um, so it, it, that's in a simplistic kind of turn but uh, Macquarie Bank for instance um, is now uh, overseas and just global and it's a very big global business started here in Australia and they would have started out paying 100% of their profits um, fully franked yeah and now because half of their more than half their operations are overseas I think they're down to 45%, or 40%. So you get a small credit back
2: right. um, okay.
1: instead of 100% because yeah. they're, they're, a, they're a big, large company overseas. And you'll see companies like um, CSL and Amcor and Brambles, all the global names that are based in Australia that have got operations overseas, generally aren't 100% fully framed. Yeah, okay. Whereas Telstra is probably, yes. and West Farmers, is predominantly domestic. Yeah. And so therefore you get some some fracking credit. So, yeah. You know, Frank Reds are very beneficial when it comes to offsetting tax and, and, and getting tax refunds. Um, however, there's, um, yeah, with the upcoming election, there's some, some variations, potential variations depending on which side gets in that will affect tax refunds on that front.
0: Yeah. And with dividends, how do you know which companies pay you? pay higher dividends and how do you compare that?
1: Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, the, the starting point would be um, when you look at the company research on the ASX or Comsec or Yahoo, there'll be a little um, financial indicator that will say dividend yield mm-hmm. and that'll be a percentage of um, the return against the current share price. So that Basically, the dividend they pay against the, the current share price will generate what's known as a, a yield, a bit like if you buy a a house for a hundred thousand dollars, and the rent's five thousand dollars. Right. Then you go, well, oh, that's five percent. Yeah. And so, with the the share, the the metric to look at is the dividend yield. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a ratio. So, um, generally at the moment, some of the banks are paying five or six percent on their dividend loan um, compared to cash rates, which um, you're getting your bank at nothing pretty much <laughs> yeah. uh, everyday accounts yes. sometimes I think it's nothing, under five thousand yeah. dollars nothing now but you're in the ones and term deposits you're in the twos yeah because where, where interest rates are so you're probably 200 probably double the double the, the cash rate um, sorry double the term deposit rate in terms of bank shares at the moment but it's not foolproof because yeah. bank shares have deteriorated. In value.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so you need to look at both sides. And Telstra is a classic example as well. Like Telstra's dividend yield is six or seven percent before they cut their dividend. And then the share price fell and they've cut the dividend again and so it's not as it's not a straight line yeah. to say forever this company will pay a dividend. And even if they do, you might lose lose capital. Yeah. And so there's a risk there that if you bought Telstra shares two years ago, you're probably down thirty or forty percent. But you've picked up your five percent Mm. For, for two years, so you're, you're still down 20%, yeah. so it's not as if it's an easy, um, easy thing to pick.
0: It's not as easy mm. to say, okay, well, if I had $10,000 in a term deposit, I might earn 2.5, mm. maybe 2.8, but probably not much over that, and then say, okay, well, alternatively, I could put $10,000 into a mixed portfolio of listed companies that pay a dividend. Will you be better off over five years? Probably, but like yep. it also depends on what, that, what happens with the market and that's why if you plan on buying a house in two years, you might put your money in a high-interest bank account while it's safe or yep. depends what's up up to you. But technically, the returns on dividends are often higher than
1: interest interest rates. Yeah, and yeah. it comes back to risk and return. Yeah. So, a dividend um, might be 10% for a company right now yeah. and you're thinking, wow, why is it 10%? Maybe they're in... Um, an area that's that's a little bit under pressure, but they've still got a good balance sheet. But that yeah. it may not last forever. Yeah. Um. And things change. Companies change their policies quite often as well. So they might say, well, it's been a tough year. We're going to reduce the dividend, or we're not going to pay a dividend. Yeah. Or it's been a really good year, which is actually happening right now. It's yeah. been a really good year. And we're going to pay special dividends.
2: Yes. I see and that so special dividends company. have come out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's
1: actually been a probably in my career this reporting season, the last month or so, it's been the most number of special dividends I've ever seen. Yeah. With Flight Centre, Suncorp, Rio, yeah. BHB, West Farmers, to name a few, yeah. have excess money on their balance sheet and uh, or have sold assets mm. and wanting to return them to shareholders. Now, whether that's – um, a sign of economic prosperity, or whether that's a sign of a, an upcoming election, or whether that's a sign of they can't find anything to buy—I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. it's been—it's been a lot of dividends this, this particular half.
0: Interesting. And talking which is a probably, bonus to, to, to yeah, shareholders. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Last thing while we're on dividends, um, let's quickly talk about what a dividend reinvestment plan is.
1: Yep. So and, a, D, a yeah, DRP, as people GRP, call it. Yeah. Yeah, a dividend reinvestment plan is where um, the company. Say West Farmers allows people to reinvest their dividends back into West Farmers shares. Now, not all companies offer a dividend reinvestment plan. Um, probably only twenty percent, I'd say, or twenty-five percent, maybe of the of the index um, has a dividend reinvestment plan policy. But what that is 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 you receive um, shares in compensation for the value of your dividend. So. If you were to receive a hundred dollar dividend check, you would receive a hundred dollars of West Farmer's shares mm-hmm. in exchange for cash. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. One is that if you're a very long-term investor in West Farmers and you say, "I want to own these shares for ten years," then you you get more shares, yeah, and that's a good thing
0: without right? having to pay, without
1: having to do anything, and that, brokerage yeah. and costs, and and it's probably one of the simplest forms of getting into smaller mm-hmm. amounts of shares to, to continue to build up that position. Um, the flip side is you don't get a choice of price. You get a discount generally to the to the current market price, which is again a good thing. But you might get it at a particular time, and then the share price falls. You don't have any control over the price. The price is set by the company, um, which is you know sometimes five percent discount, sometimes two, sometimes none. And the other thing is that you don't have a choice again to spend it. Um, so you're obviously going. You're, doubling, you're not doubling down, but it's putting more and more money into this company yeah. as opposed to diversifying. Now, there's been um, numbers of stories of people that have dividend reinvestment plans in things like Commonwealth Bank from day one. Yes.
0: They would have and many shares. Their
1: shares then, just yeah. continue to grow and grow and grow and then one day they might just pull out of the dividend reinvestment plan and their dividends will just be enormous. And we've i've heard a story about someone in westfield the same thing mm-hmm. where they bought it initially and went oh well let's keep buying shares or keep adding shares and maybe there was a drp i don't know but they just kept on buying westfield 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 mm-hmm. and then it ended up being an enormous position mm-hmm. so um yeah there, there is there's two there's pros and cons mm-hmm. um warren buffett for instance would say why would i um if i can if i can generate a return um, why do I be um, forced into buying this company and, and making sure that this company is going to manage my money in the best efficient, most efficient way? He says, "Well, I can do it better than mm. than that particular company." So give me the money; I'll invest it again somewhere else. Or alternatively, dividends are used to, to fund lifestyle. Yes. So you might say, "Well, uh, I've got a portfolio of a million dollars and I want to get fifty thousand dollars a year in dividends." Mm. Um, you wouldn't be in a DRP a dividend investment because you wouldn't get any income and no. you can't live. or can't go on holidays or whatever you want to do so different circumstances but there's been really interesting cases of people that have held shares for years and years and created an absolute fortune and then also people that say well i'm dividend reinvestment plan. I'd rather take the dividend myself and yeah. look at a new opportunity or buy a house or whatever it might whatever be. Yeah, do. yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a, bit, a bit of a flip the coin with a bit of luck as well.
0: Yeah, and so for people like from a practical point, um, I remember when I first bought my West Farmers shares, I think you just click a box whether you want. That's right. And yeah. I didn't click to have it and then last year I realized that every time I got my dividend which was like I don't have many, I think I had like a $75 dividend or whatever, I would buy like clothes or something silly so i thought you know what every time i get this money i'm just going to spend it because as much as i try and be money savvy it's not going to work so then i just changed it to be a dividend reinvestment plan and it was as simple as just logging on to computer share putting my details yeah, in literally and just, just ticking tick a, a box, box yeah. it, so it's really easy and you can check what your current i don't know what the default yeah, i'd probably is, buy but, i'd probably yeah.
1: take a dividend reinvestment plan for my kids yeah and to say, oh, well, I'll buy some shares in their names now. Yeah. And then I'll buy West Farmers and I'll just put a DRP on it. And then I'll yeah. eventually, if, if you had some more money, I'd buy some other mm-hmm. shares. Yeah. But then they'll just keep ticking along. And then yeah. so when they're 18 or 21 or something, it's much bigger than. Yeah. You yes, know, what you're fingers crossed. Yeah. For. Fingers yeah. crossed. It's much bigger. Than, so that would be an example where you'd probably do it. Do it.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, that makes pretty good sense. Well, right. I feel like we've really tackled a lot of issues today. I know. we've been longer than we normally I go think for. What I wanted to quickly touch on, though, was. Selling, selling. Yes, they yes. should. Why yeah, people might sell. Good so one. this is
1: yeah. the hard part. This mm. is the really this is hard part. Its and so people sell for all sorts of different reasons, and whether it's timing in life or a purchase of a house or a holiday. I remember in two thousand and six, two thousand and five, I pretty much sold my first portion of shares, thinking that I was going to hold them forever, as you do when you're when you're young and you're going to an well, and do the Warren Buffett way and hold it forever and <laughs> as long as possible, but it got too too good um mm-hmm. it was i think i bought the shares at 50 it was pipe network shares i remember very clearly mm-hmm. i think i bought them at like 54 cents and they got to three dollars
2: yeah
1: and subsequently they got taken over for five dollars something later down the, like just after well not just after I sold, maybe a year after i sold them mm-hmm. um, but it was to fund a holiday to new york Mm. And I'd never been to America, and it was just the time and the place, and I just needed. I think it was three thousand dollars, or some burning shares at all. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And back well, it was probably um, three thousand dollars, got you a bit more back then, yeah, but yeah. Um, uh, maybe three and a half thousand dollars or something along those lines. And I had a really good time. And yeah. then you came back, and that was kind of like your life experience for selling chairs. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to do it. And now, if it held on them, I'd be wealthier, I suppose, mm-hmm. or may 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 have taken the money and invested in something else and. Probably should have, but yeah, people sell for all different reasons for house sales and weddings and traveling and, yeah. and this and that. So, selling can be driven by time. So, firstly, the the, the person that owns the shares needs to sell those shares. Um, and then, selling can be driven by greed like, you've made 10%, is that good enough? Or 20%, is that good enough? 30, 40, 50. 100, 200, percent, 500 percent. There might be trigger points. So I made five times the money. I'm out. That's such yeah. a good. I'm so happy that I made five times my money. Mm. Or is it? You just hold it and you see what happens, and then you can create 20, 30, 40 times your money, 50 times your money eventually. Um, and then people that have held Commonwealth Bank from the, the start, their dividends are now um, you're probably more than the share price. Uh, I think Flight Centre when they listed at 95 cents. Um, they they paid a special dividend. Um, yeah, you know, they are about to pay a special dividend somewhere close to you know, including the regular dividend somewhere close to two dollars a share. So you're getting two hundred percent income yes. on your initial holding. So you got ten thousand Flight Center shares cost you nine grand back in nineteen ninety five, I think it was, and you're getting twenty thousand dollars in income a year, or well, for the half for the half, sorry. Yeah. So it's yeah. There's there's. As you hold shares you can watch the dividends grow as well, as well as the share price grow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the trickiest part in my job
2: yeah, is in in selling. Out because sells.
1: everyone's different and everyone's got a, a philosophy on it. Mm. There's not really a right or wrong. Um, but even something like as as sexy as afterpay has been, mm. I mean they floated at a dollar and the shares are now roughly nineteen or Nineteen sixty four two and three years later. <laughs> Um, and now could you have sold at three dollars and been really happy yes mm. given the risk to someone else could you have sold at ten dollars yes and given the risk to someone else and or could you have held to 20 it's really up to personalities as well yeah um, people get a bit like oh I think this thing's gonna go to $100 so let it go to $100 and make a hundred times your money or all right 20 times is enough or on the flip side you lose forty yes. percent, or fifty percent, or sixty percent, or eighty percent. When do you kind of cut the the losses? Because what you what you um, hope to hasn't certainly panned out, and there's been plenty of them as well a as business. in the upside. Yeah. So
0: you don't really you know. want to be selling at the time that it's a straight line going down because everyone's trying to get yeah. out of price drops really People quickly. People do things yeah. called
1: stop losses, which give themselves a percentage loss, and then they're out. Again, that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, but. You might say, oh, right. I put in ten thousand dollars, and if it's, I lose thirty percent, I'm I'm done. Yeah. You know, and then at seven thousand dollars, you take your money and you walk out. Yeah. Now it's pretty hard to do because sometimes it goes down to seven thousand and it goes whoosh, straight back up again. Yeah. But you've had it in your head, but um. Yeah, it's it's, a tricky, it's the tricky part.
0: Yeah, and I think then it's also the emotions in it as well because I know I've sold shares before and then I've still looked at the company after I've sold them. Like there is no point in me doing that other than mm-hmm. for me to know whether I made a good choice or not and I'd feel really good on the days where the share price is down. You feel wealthier. The one that I'd sold, I'm like, oh, I'm really yeah. all over this. And then I saw the price went... <laughs> back up and I'm the the idiot I sold too early and so I think the thing is like if you you make a decision sell them put your money somewhere else and whether that's for a holiday or whether that's for a different investment but then keep moving forward and yeah, but we might end it on that note. Thank you again, Chris. So just for people that might not have caught it at the start, so Chris is a stockbroker at Morgan's, and um, he also runs a podcast which is called Morgan's Startup Series. And yep. he, you can, we'll put his links in our blog post and everything, and you can check him out and maybe do some research on the Morgan's website while you're there.
1: Sure, <laughs> and all
0: that jazz. All right.
1: Well, thanks cool. for being on, uh, allowing me to come back for a second time, and I, I really um, I think what you guys are doing is, is fabulous. So yeah, thank you to okay. everybody.
0: Thank you. (音楽) ¶¶